Hi everyone and welcome to another broadcast of Faith Life with Pastor Earl and friends. Let's get right into the text. We have a whole lot to cover. We have been looking at the book of the Revelation. In chapter 6 to 18 is all about the tribulation. We gave you verse by verse details in one of our podcasts on chapter 6. But we are not covering 7 through 18 because that is all about the wrath of God poured out during the time of the tribulation. You can read that for yourself. But our job is not to delete scripture, but just to bring out the highlights of this book in a verse-by-verse way. And so I hope you'll understand that. In chapter 18, the commercial and political and religious wing of the administration of evil during the tribulation will be Babylon. And we see that there is a description of a woman dressed in scarlet that is riding on a beast. The beast is the Antichrist and the harlot is the Babylonian system, which she has been responsible for the death of many, many saints and crushing any type of true faith. And so we see also that the Antichrist will turn on her because he wants all of the glory and her system will be destroyed. Babylon is fallen, chapter 17 and 18. As we get into chapter 19, we see the four alleluias. The angels in heaven are crying hallelujah. The four living creatures, the 24 elders and the congregation in heaven are all singing alleluia. Isn't that a wonderful word? It's just, it's just a beautiful word coming off of our lips. The word alleluia. And so as we get into this, I think you're going to enjoy it. Chapter 19, though, talks about the four alleluias and then the phrase, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. God just takes his rightful reign and all of evil and sin will now be crushed. As we get into chapter 19, though, there will be another event, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We discussed that in great detail. And we shared with you there are three aspects of the wedding or marriage. The first one, as we see, was the contract and that was usually with the parents, etc. But the contract that we're thinking about is Christ when he died on the cross to save us from our sins. The second aspect is when the bridegroom takes the bride home with him. 
That's the rapture of the church. And then seven years later, we have this wonderful event called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. So from darkness, deep darkness, in chapters 6 to 18, to now chapter 19, we're going to see some beautiful and bright things. And in chapter 19, verse 11, our Lord comes in glory. The rapture will be Jesus coming for his saints. Every eye will not see him because he'll come in the twinkling of an eye and catch up the believers. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Revelation 3, 10. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. And the rapture and the revelation of Christ are two different events taking place in two different places. The rapture in heaven, the return of Christ in glory, he'll come down, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives and split that in two. You can read about that in Matthew 24 as Jesus gives that great prophetic passage. Also in Zechariah 12 and Zechariah chapter 14. Well, let's listen to verse 11 to 13. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. Now remember, the Antichrist came at the beginning of the tribulation, the pseudo-Christ, and he came on a white horse. But this is Jesus Christ coming at the end of the tribulation as he returns in glory. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. The powerful leaders of those days would come back in triumph in the cities, and they would ride a white horse. Faithful and True is a description of our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, verse 14, we see that Jesus called that. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. Jesus always does what is right. You may not like the things that you read in chapters 6 to 18, but God always does the right and the righteous thing. So in righteousness does he judge and make war. So do not question Jesus acts because they will always be the right thing. Just trust him. In chapter 1, we saw the glorified Christ had eyes as a flame of fire. He has omniscient, all-knowing eyes, and these eyes are not happy, joyous, gentle, peaceful eyes the way he looks at his children these are eyes of wrath as he's about to pour out his um, wrath upon the Antichrist and his armies. And it says his eyes were as a flame of fire and in his, on his head were many crowns. The word for crowns here is not Stephanos, 
which is the victor's crown, though he was a victor, but these are the diadema crowns that only our Lord would wear. He is King of kings, Lord of lords, the best of the best, and number one. It said, so he had a name written that no man knew. What is that name? It says, no man knew, and I don't know, nor will I speculate. But he himself was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. This vesture that's dipped in blood is showing that he's a mighty warrior. During the battle of the Armageddon, it is said it'll be the blood would flow up to the horse's bridles. And then it says his name is called the Word of God. This is the same Word of God out of John chapter 1, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. At the rapture, Jesus comes for his saints. At the return in glory, seven years later, he comes with his saints. And we will be riding on white horses. Some who love their pets always ask, will there be animals in heaven? Well, we know one thing. We know there have to be horses there, for we'll be riding with our Lord on white horses. And it says that the ones that were riding with him are clothed in fine, in white linen, fine and clean. And we know that the white linen is the righteousness of the saints. He takes our old, shattered, tattered, smelly garments of sin, and he gives us these robes of righteousness. Righteousness that's not our self-righteousness, because this righteousness is imputed upon us and given to us. Verse 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. Our Lord is tells us in Hebrews that he has a sword in his mouth, a two-edged sword. The word of God is like a two-edged sword, and it pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. But here, it's more like a warrior's sword. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. All of the nations that have fought against him, all of the nations that have kept people in poverty, oppression, slavery, horrible treatment, our Lord will take vengeance upon them. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He leads his people like a shepherd, like a loving, gentle, beautiful shepherd. But those that will fight against him, he'll rule them with a rod of iron. Verse 16 
And it says he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. A winepress was something you poured the grapes into it and it it crushed it till it was just juice coming out of it. I think that's just a portrait of how deeply the enemies of God will be crushed as he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Again, you might be saying, well, I just thought Jesus was a meek and lowly, loving Jesus. He is a loving Jesus. And this is the side of him that you should thank God for that protects you and defends you. As a dad, I have four wonderful daughters, and I would never let anyone, if it was in my power, harm one of my daughters. They would see that I'm not some kind and gentle person if you desire to hurt one of those that I love, one of those that is dear to my heart. Well, imagine if that's how we feel naturally. Imagine how God must feel. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus, even in his earthly life here on the earth, he was King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They did not realize that they were crucifying the Prince of Glory. They did not realize that they were trying to crush the the darling of heaven, as some would call Jesus, as the as the great high priest, as the son of God and God the son. So he is known as king of kings and lord of lords. You see, when you become a Christian, you're not becoming just part of one of the world religions. You're becoming part of one that will reign with Christ forever and ever. And when all the smoke is cleared and all the enemies are vanquished, there will only be one left, and that is Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Verse 17, and I saw an angel standing in the sun. Aren't you blessed and thankful for angels? We cannot see angels. Sometimes they manifest themselves as angels unaware. But Hebrews 1, they're like a flame of fire. They're ministering spirits. That accident that somehow you made it out of, that war that you came home from, that sickness that God brought you through, he protects you and watches over you by his mighty angels. And there's some mighty, powerful, powerful angels in heaven. There's a whole hierarchy of them, some that are just 
unbelievably powerful. So thank God when you go to sleep at night for the angels that are about us. And you say, well, I I know somebody that lost their life to disease, or I know somebody that lost their life in an accident, or I know somebody that lost their life through a violent experience or through war. Does that mean that God was not protecting them? Absolutely not. It just means that God, in his sovereignty, allowed that person to lose their life, as it were, and to go to be with Jesus, which is far better. We are not wise enough to understand the timing of the Lord, are we? So it says, and I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens, Come, gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Now, this is not talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb, as we began chapter 19 with in about the fifth and sixth verses. This is talking about the great supper of God being the battle of Armageddon and the debris and all that that's left over and the carnage from that great battle. It says, I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come, gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. These are the vultures. These are the buzzards that will feast upon what chapter 19 and verse 18 says, that ye may eat of the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, small and great. All those that have tried to come against God, all those that have aligned themselves with the Antichrist will find that they will be defeated at the battle of Armageddon and the fowls of the air will eat their flesh. Verse 19, and I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse. They've come in their own defiance, shaking their measly little swords and their measly little hands against, defiantly against Jesus Christ. And they've come to make war against not the Antichrist, but Jesus Christ and against his army that, as you remember, came on white horses. It says, and the beast was taken, that's the Antichrist of chapter 13, and with him, the false prophet, that's his little sidekick, and it's his little marketing 
minister. And both of those, it says, that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. Let me just touch on this briefly. If you were to reject Christ during this period of grace, and the church is raptured, you say, well, will there be any chance that I can get saved? The answer is yes, but it will cost you your life. For chapter 13 says that there will be a mark of the beast if you receive that beast, that mark, and align yourself with the Antichrist, there will be no chance that you could be saved. But here we find out that those people had been deceived by the Antichrist and received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So you see, my friend, evil will not prevail. The gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against Christ and his church. It says, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, the remnant of the Antichrist's army will be slain by our Lord, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And I realize that may sound a little morbid to you, but you must realize that God is a just God, and he always does what's right, and he always protects his children. If I was you and did not know Christ, I would run to Christ today. Repent of your sins and say, oh God, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Would you like to pray that with me right now? Say, dear Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize I need a Savior and so I repent of my sins and I receive you today in Jesus' name, amen. If you're a believer and you're far from the Lord, you haven't lost your salvation, you've lost the joy of your salvation, return to our Lord today. This is Pastor Earl for Faith Life with Pastor Earl and Friends. And you can contact me through email at charisman, C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A-N-1234 at gmail.com or the cell to text me at is 386-795-8494. And so you can send me any prayer request or maybe you have a question. If I'm able to get to the question, I'll be glad to answer that. But I do pray over any requests that come in, no matter how many there are, I make that part of my ministry. So also, if you would like to underwrite this ministry, 
call or text, rather text us or email us, and we'll let you know how you can be a part. In Jesus' name, I love you.